eBay Motors es tu socio seguro. Con trabajo, piezas nuevas y mucha pasión, transformaste una carrocería oxidada con 100,000 millas en un vehículo totalmente singular. Juegos de frenos, faros, lo que necesites, eBay Motors lo tiene. Con Guaranteed Fit de eBay, te aseguras que la pieza le quede a tu carro a la primera o se te devuelve tu dinero. Y a estos precios, ¿qué más llantas sino dinero? Mantén vivo ese espíritu de Ride or Die, baby, en eBay Motors. eBayMotors.com Solo para artículos elegibles. Se aplican en Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje, fortaleza es hacer todo, como si el mundo entero te estuviera mirando. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to a new episode of my podcast, How to Slay. I'm Constance White, and I am here with a wonderful guest, Darlene Gillard-Jones. And what we're going to talk about with Darlene today is change. Darlene is the founder of the Gillard-Jones Agency, and she's part of the founding team of Atlanta-based Digital Undivided, which encourages Latina and African-American women in particular to start and develop their own businesses. So she's really in the heart of what's happening with tech disruption and tech revolution. However, prior to this, Darlene had a whole other career, which was working at Essence and Elle and Mirabella. She's a former stylist. So she was really pursuing a whole different path. And that's what she's going to help us with today, because so many of us either are pursuing a different path, would like to pursue a different path in our careers, or will be forced to pursue a different path. So Darlene, welcome. Thank you, Constance. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So maybe forced to have a different path. What's happening happening structurally in the economy, both in America and worldwide, that is forcing this kind of change, which we can look to, which is happening now, but certainly is going to accelerate in the future? Absolutely. So um, folks are getting laid off. Industries are um, merging. Um, technology is taking over, as some people would like to say. And um, it's just a changed world. The world is totally different than what it was. You are not going to, for the most part, stay in a job for 30 years and retire from that job. Um, it just doesn't happen these days. And so and so people have been forced many times to look at different industries. Um, and then sometimes people just want to follow their passion. 
you know, and they what, weren't doing it before. They weren't doing it before. Yeah. They were doing things for money. They were doing things um, because they had to because their um, parents because their parents set. set them up. And you know, as folks are getting older, they start to think about you know what kind of leg- legacy do I want to leave? Um, am I happy? Do I want? What do I want to do for the rest of my days? And so people are are uh, making the decision to try something new, try their passion. And and one of the things that we do now at Digital Undivided is help women find their passion. Absolutely. So what we want to do is talk about your journey in the change and, and see, you know, there's so much we can learn from that. Yeah. And then in our second half of the show, we want to talk a bit more about Digital Undivided and what you have learned shepherding, helping, observing all these women start businesses, or if the business is started already, helping them to accelerate it and help it grow what you've learned about change from them too. So what's one of the, let's say, pivot points, pivotal moments that made you make a change? There are a few, actually. (laughs) Um, But I would say the one that really got me into this innovation space is I had been producing events for a number of top level, you know, organizations um, around the globe and had been working with a client who was one of the very first fashion bloggers. Um, And she experienced something um, at an accelerator program, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Um, that made her say, look, I I, I want to help other women like me in this space. So for a lot of folks don't realize blogging is technology. It's a tech enabled right. business and it's sustained that way. Yes. And so and when you think about it, there was no blogging. Exactly. Before there was for digital. Exactly. And so um, and so she wanted to put together a conference where we gathered up women like her in the space, women like her being black women and Latina women. And we did um, back in October 2012. I, you know, have produced a number of events, like I said, was very familiar with that space and could do it with my eyes closed. And so we yes. did. And it was super successful. And from there, it was let's start a company. Let's start a company where we continue to do this work and help women like her build companies and have so the support it was, they need. So it was somewhat organic. It was. That it wasn't that you said, I want to make this change. Exactly. It was an extension of the work that I was already doing because it was an event that we put together initially. Right. But from that, the 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 way that I felt leaving that event and, mm-hmm. you know, women were coming up to me, talking to me about their journeys. And it was just super exciting. And, and I saw that we helped them. Um, so when Catherine said, let's start a business, I need help. I said, OK. And I did it. And. That's Catherine Finney. Catherine Finney, the founder, the founder of Digital, founder of Digital Undivided. Yes. She, um, you know, we started this business and it just organically grew, organically grew. We've changed over the years, but it, it has become this national organization mm-hmm. that has really changed the discussion in the technology and innovation space about Black and Latinx women. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you... Was it a clean break when you made the switch? Was it a clean break or did you have, which so often happens, one foot in fashion and you had already started doing events, I assume fashion events too, that led to events for a broader range of people. Yes. And then one foot in technology. Definitely. I have one foot in and one foot out and it wasn't easy. (laughs) It It wasn't easy to do. It was very, very hard. Um, And there came a time where I had to make a choice. And for people, there are different reasons why they finally choose. Um, One of the things that we like to tell women is that 
you if you start a business and you, you know, want to do it on the side, this is really your passion, but you have this corporate job. When you make X amount of dollars on that business is maybe when you should leave your mm. your company. Right. So um, financial. Yeah, it's financial. Measure. So there, there are things mm-hmm. that you have to figure out on your own. What is it going to take for you to switch over? And for me, um, it took a long time because Digital Undivided was being run as a startup. And as you know, startups <laughs> are startups. No money. Right. There's right. no money involved. And so um, I had to and wanted to still do um, the business that I had started and grown. Um, but it was definitely challenging. So um, there's a financial challenge. Mm-hmm. What other challenges were there? What about here's something, uh, fashion events that you were known for? You had racked up credibility, network of contacts. Um, you know, that's got to be yeah, difficult. Too. You have that's- to, you know, the good thing I think about me um, and being in the space that I was in is that it was all about relationships. Um all of the opportunities that I had gotten as a business owner came through relationships. I never had to put in an RFP really, right. To get Mm -hmm, a gig. mm -hmm. And, and so people trusted me. And so I was able to share with them, Hey, look, there's this thing that I'm doing. And it made sense because in the beginning of digital undivided, I did all of our events. So anything that we did, it was event related. So it made sense to Mm -hmm. people. Um, But it really took social capital for me to, um, get folks to jump on board mm-hmm. and be and, and to understand what that transition is and, and the important work that I was doing. Yes. Yeah. And I do remember when you also were sort of doing the events and doing the fashion for people like Harlem Fashion Row, which would sort of be both. Yeah. And then you're still styling yeah. one day. And so you mentioned this whole idea of, you know, having one foot, in one area and one foot in the other area. And I'm thinking about that mental, you know, that's like a a mental and emotional toll as well. Because one day you're in one world and you're thinking for (laughs) one paradigm another day. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of mental uh, stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I um, had to be on one day off the next, you know, and figure it out. But I think many of us know that black women can do a lot of things, right? Uh One of the things that we like to say is that we can, you know, take a chicken and make it last for a week for a family of four, right? Because we have (laughs) hustle and we have to do what we have to do. And so I sort of took that position, but also I was organized. Mm -hmm. I got help as I needed it. So I wouldn't necessarily lead the fashion thing, right? Mm -hmm. If it were something Mm -hmm. that, you know, we were doing behind the scenes. Um, I'd bring someone else in, a contractor or a subcontractor to work with me. So you definitely have to be able to lead teams, which was instrumental. Lead teams, be organized. Be organized, yeah. Yeah. Be organized. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much, Mm -hmm. you know, what I did. And I just knew that I had to do what I had to do. And I enjoyed both. And so it wasn't something that I didn't want to do, you right. know, which I'm lucky in that way, because a lot of folks aren't that lucky. Exactly. They are in spaces they don't want to be in. But I was in spaces that I wanted to be. in. Yes. When do you decide what are some of the markers that help you decide when to make the switch? Is there you mentioned the, you know, the financial of maybe your business is now making X amount of money and that's different for each person. What are one or two other things that 
perhaps are maybe they're not black and white but yeah it's it's probably not black and white I think think for, for me personally I just it was a lot to manage and I had to decide what was more important. And so hosting events is great. Um, producing events is great. You can get paid a lot of money. But I was making a difference in people's lives. Um, and that to me is more important than anything. Yeah. Um, even in my own family's life. My daughter mm-hmm. um, consequently got a job at a tech company. Mm-hmm. My son is a computer science major at a college. My husband is investing in technology companies, <laughs> you know, uh, um, on the stock market and, and and looking at angel investing. And so the mm-hmm. dynamic of my family was changed. Yeah. Um, and that to me was way more important. And because both were pulling at me, I had to make a decision. Yes. And that was a decision that I made as we looked at growing Digital Undivided. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in your you know, one of my favorite books of all time um, in your journey, and when I hear about it, it came to mind, is Who Moved My Cheese? Right. So that book um, definitely speaks to change. And speaking to particularly when the change is forced upon you. As we said earlier in the show, you mentioned it could be because of a layoff. It could be because your financial situation has changed. It could be because of contraction in the business or you wake up one day and you realize this, you know, I'm not doing what I love. Like this job is sucking the life out of me and I want to to change, do something else, find my passion. How do you go about getting ready for the change, which either A, you do want to make or B, many of us are going to be forced to make. How can you start to prepare for that? So one of the tools that I used, um, uh, I learned when learning golf. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's coming up with a goal ladder, the shape of a pyramid. What's yeah. your goal? That's at the top. Mm-hmm. And what are the steps that you need to take to get to that goal? So the analogy is with golf, I wanted to learn how to play golf. So first, let me watch golf. Then I'll take a golf lesson. Then I'll do this and leading up to that goal. And so I I would encourage people to do that. If there's something that you want to do, um, you just have to set that goal and really follow a path. Mm-hmm. It has to be very intentional. I like, yes, I like the pyramid tool. It has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. You can't just say that you want to do something and expect it to happen. You have to work towards it. And what are the baby steps that you can take mm-hmm. to get there? Sometimes the the you know the goal seems so far away and impossible that people get locked in, into fear. And there's nothing to fear. <laughs> Fear itself, right? But fear itself, yeah. yes, yeah. as we say. Yeah. So how do you stop? What is perhaps a mental tool or an inspiration you've used um, that helps you to not get stuck at the base of the pyramid, right? Which is like, I'm watching golf. <laughs> I'm still watching golf. <laughs> I am really watching golf. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I'm doing something, right? Yeah, you yeah. You you know, it's setting timelines on yourself. You just have to do it. And it's a mental game. I mean, we mm-hmm. really have the power to do anything that we want. And you have to understand that power 
and tap into that power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know about the secret and, you know, those types of books that help you to, you know, manifest things that you want. And it's really true. It's true. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to be committed to that thing. Okay. Yeah. Now, what made you choose tech? Because mm-hmm. they seem like two very different things, right? Two very different grounds that you're going to play play around in and areas to be in fashion and then tech. What made you choose tech? Well, as we, was it portrayals of tech? Was it? No, I mean, thing? technology really has a marketing problem, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think technology, you don't think about black women doing stuff, mm-hmm. at least not before hidden figures. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so now that you helped, have a, but it helped, still it helped, you're but making a really valid, mm-hmm. true yeah. Point. Yeah. You, you, you think know, of Mark Zuckerberg. You think you of the think lone of a hoodie, white think male. Of, in a garage. In a garage. Doing a thing. Steve Jobs. Yes. Right. Right. The movie. Which is social, a myth, but the marketing. You know, the social it. network, that movie, right? Like who, you know, only white guys really can go somewhere for six months and work mm-hmm. on a company and not worry about everything else falling Even the apart. Latino guy kind of got written out of the story, right? <laughs> who co-founded right. it. I mean, Facebook is a co-founder. Yeah. Yeah, many several people apparently. Exactly. So, um, okay. So now I lost the question. What was the question? Yeah, so it was like, why tech? <laughs> oh, right. Because so and so, and you were making this really important point that tech has a marketing, a marketing problem. problem. It does. It does. But as I said earlier, it was it was organic. You know, I was doing the thing that I loved. My client saw the value in that. We put together this amazing thing, had incredible people participating, um, and it just became this thing. And once I got into it, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm this fashion girl turned techie. Like, let's go, you know, oh, we're going to Silicon Valley. Like, let me buy right. a laptop and get a cool t-shirt and like... <laughs> South by know, Southwest. Right, do all that <laughs> stuff. And, um, you know, getting into those spaces, it was it, it was different, obviously. It was yes. totally different. What were some of the main differences? <sighs> um, you know, fashion folks are very creative and expressive and just awesome, right? You know, mm-hmm. entertainment. Um, whereas technology folks were a lot more buttoned up, you know, um, one of the things that, uh, Catherine used to say to me when it was time for us to put together an event, beer and pizza. Just remember beer and pizza. <laughs> oh my because God. I was you like, probably champagne, cringed. Cringed. Yes. You, were like, you know what I mean? So it's Where's like beer and pizza, the- beer and pizza. That was like her favorite line to me. Beer and I would pizza. have to dial it back. Like, okay, you know? Okay. But can it be... <laughs> Cipriani pizza? Exactly. <laughs> Can exactly. it be craft beer made exactly. in batches of 12? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it was like, I, you know, that was the, the marker. I had to like bring it down mm. a notch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we did to make ourselves, because we both come from the fashion space, you know, we've got sparkly t-shirts. Yes. Everyone else got a basic t-shirt. Ours are like <laughs> sparkle, you know? And, um, and so that was really a major thing for me. Um, that folks just, you know, it was just whatevs, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Not the fabulousness that I was accustomed right. to. Yeah. Um, did you, did you feel a bit afraid of letting that go? Because, you know, you have to let some things go sometimes to allow for other things to come in and enter your life. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question Mm -hmm. and a really good one, actually, because there are times where I felt like um, I was letting that go. Mm -hmm. um, And I struggled with that because I wanted to still be 
um, in that space mm-hmm. of lavishness mm-hmm. and luxuriousness, all the right. things that I love. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, the more important thing to me was the changes that we were making in people's lives. Right. Truly. Um, and in the industry as a whole, really setting the foundation in the innovation space um, for all the things that we see now that are happening with black women in yes, technology. Right. And happening with technology. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So what sort of it occurs to me that you had to bring or anyone preparing for the change or in the midst of the change. Um, it's very helpful if you can bring certain cross functional skills Right. So you had events. That was a skill that you did and you were able to bring that and it helped you make the transition. So what are some of the cross functional skills that you brought and that jet in your change your switch? And general, are there some general skills that women can think about bringing? Yeah. So um, so one of the things that I, I definitely brought to the table was a relationship building. Um, my role at Digital Undivided now is director of community. So, you know, I go out, I meet people, I engage them, I bring them into the organization and, and we, you know, funnel them out differently within the organization. Um, but I've been able to maintain and start incredible relationships, um, for the organization. That was something that I had to do working in the event and fashion space, um, as well. Um, I also think that you know, just being open to learning, um, is something that, you know, I'm not afraid to, to say that I don't know something. Um, I'm not afraid to be suggested that I read a book to, you know, make me better in this space. So just having the ability to, um, or the willingness to change, to learn, to grow, I think is an important, um, piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, those are those are two of the things that I could think think about. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there? You know, you mentioned your support system mm-hmm. that we all have, and you mentioned one of the pivotal um, moments is the fact that you could impact your family mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So when we think about making career changes, it's about our careers, but it does affect relationships around us, right? Or it can. It does. It does. Certainly, for the most part, it can. It can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how does one manage that? And what should you bear in mind? Whether you're whether that relationship is with a, a husband, a partner, or a best friend, or children, yeah. or whomever, mother or father. Yeah, um, a, a support system is critical because um, for me, transitioning into the innovation space, I would say that Catherine helped me through that process. So I wasn't out there alone, struggling, trying to figure it out. Right. She had been in the space and was guiding me sort of in a mentoring type of way, mm-hmm. um, which was critical to my success in the space. And perhaps, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps had somewhat been on that journey too. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it was it was great to have her there. So when, when folks in the innovation space asked me about it, I'm like, well, I really didn't have too many uh struggles or problems transitioning into the space because I had someone who was who had been there who could walk the path with me who can help guide me so that was important um personally my family my husband has been a major um part of this whole equation one he had to be on board with the idea 
Um, two, he had to be willing to f- support me financially when the startup wasn't, you know, doing as great, right? <laughs> yes. Or or it was starting up. Um, he he was there for me, and mm-hmm. to have him there to say, "I got your back." Sure, I'll show up at the event. I'll work the door. <laughs> you know, oh, he yeah, he so did all great. that kind of stuff, which yeah. was critical. And and we had children, and so he had to be willing to take care of the children when I couldn't be there. Right. Um, and we, as, as a family got everyone involved so that everyone knew what was going on. Everyone knew what mommy was doing. Um, and that I couldn't have done, you know, I couldn't have done this without him and that, and that type of support. And then of course, other folks, other folks, like, you know, (laughs) did you have a moment when you sat down with your spouse or, I was did. it early on or it was you sort of got into it and then you're like, I got to talk about like this what? thing. Yeah, yeah, I've got to talk about this thing because it became a thing. Yeah. You know, um, I was, you know, on both sides of the fence. I was doing the work on both mm-hmm. sides and it was becoming a lot. Yeah. And I needed him to understand what it was that I was doing. He wasn't involved in Digital Undivided in the beginning. Right. right? right. Um, but when it started to become a thing, I had to have a conversation with him and let him know what it was. Um, let him know where we stood um, as an organization and, and and to enlist his help, to enlist his help. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one thing, Darlene, if you had to pick one thing that women and men need to know about switching careers? Be patient. Mm. You have to be patient. Um. I don't, you know, anything worth having, you have to work for. I don't think anything comes easy. I mean, sometimes folks are lucky and stuff just happens. But be patient. If it's something that you really want to do and are passionate about, Mm -hmm. if you invest the time um, and the energy, you can do it. I'm thinking about, you know, well, there are some people who get lucky, and but so few. So right? few. So yeah. few. Because I thought about even people who win the lotto. Yes. It's like they've been playing it for 20 years. <laughs> right. Exactly. And paying playing like $50 a day for 20 years and then you won, right? right? And yes. it's like one out of however many millions of people. Yes. So, yeah. And the overnight sensation <laughs> is a cliche because... Yes. Right. Because look at our girl, the amazing Cardi B, right? She was working before. She was working hard. Before all this, right? She was working hard. Yeah, yeah. She was grinding. And now it seems like, you know, she's an overnight Mm -hmm. success and it's not that. Yes. And it's not that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to switch gears to we're still talking about change, but want to hear a bit more about your work with Digital Undivided because I want to really talk about the whole idea of starting a business and incubation and what you've learned from being so close, like just really having a front row view to women starting their businesses, particularly black and Latina women. And sometimes, many times they come to you with business started already, Mm -hmm. but you are there helping them to get over the obstacles and accelerate. Um, Tell us a bit about that, because we know about success and failure of businesses across the board for everyone. We know that there are a lot of obstacles. Yeah. So, so much to unpack here. Yeah, and it's, there's there's a lot of obstacles for anyone in this space, but there are even more obstacles for women of color 
Um, okay. And that's one thing that I learned. So when we started the organization, started with a conference, the feather in the crown was really the mentoring that happened, the one-on-one mentoring that happened with folks in the space, whether they be investors or um, business owners, um, CEOs who mentored Black and Latinx women in their um, companies that they started. So the first year was a weekend of mentoring. The following year was two weeks of mentoring. Mm -hmm. And then the last year that we did the Focus 100 Conference, it was six weeks of mentoring. So why mentoring? How is that important? What are we trying to overcome when you put mentoring in such an important place? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are questions that women have had about things that they maybe felt they couldn't ask openly elsewhere. So what is an angel investor? What does it mean to, um, you know, what's a cap table? Um, you know, questions that they feel like. What is a cap table? (laughs) Cap tables. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So you want to know. Because I'm not a founder. That's not a company. But there are questions that. you do know what the difference is between. An angel, a venture capitalist. Yeah. Yeah, Those kinds of questions. So venture capitalists, you know, invest in your company, but then they become your boss. Okay. Right. Which Mm -hmm. is not what you want. You want to. We're encouraging entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, these women, um, they they really got to just learn firsthand what it was to be a CEO. Like you walk down this path already. Tell me right. what I can do to avoid pitfalls and that sort of thing. Um, we also talked to them just about, you know, their um, customer retention. Like what does it cost mm. you to get a customer? Right. right? Okay. Folks maybe don't think about that. Like yes. what is that? What is that number? What does that look like? Um, so, and, and talk to them about how to talk to investors. Like, what are they looking for? That yeah. sort of thing. Um, and, and so we found that that was really the best part. And what was happening was the companies that were coming through were um, doing great. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, had these brilliant ideas. They were women who made great founders, um, but they weren't getting invested in. Mm-hmm. And there was something missing that we didn't know what it was. Okay. And so in talking to some of our partners, it was, you know, the question from them was, well, OK, so there's a problem. But what is the problem? Like, how bad is the problem? Right. And we didn't have an answer to that. Okay. Um, and so we went into the research. Okay. Um, and, and it's a Diane project, project Diane, right. which is named after Diane Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, who was an integral part of the civil rights movement, okay. but who didn't get the credit that she was due because of folks like Martin Luther King and yes. and others. And so, um, project Which happens has we're now realizing happened to so many of the exactly. women um, who were involved in civil rights and were in fact leadership, you know, took leadership roles and were integral and key and critical. Right. Critical in the same way that the women in hidden figures were. Yes. Right. They were the computers who right. figured it out, but they didn't get any credit at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's what Diane Nash did. And so mm-hmm. we named the report after her and it looked at the state of Black women in tech entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and it found that um, Black women were only at the time able to raise on average $36,000 for their companies. Mm-hmm. Whereas tech companies that were started by white guys right. that were failed companies raised over a million dollars, like one point four million failed, dollars. And they, and they were failing. And they continued to be financed, these guys and in so, other companies. Exactly. Right? And yeah. we couldn't raise enough mm-hmm. to fail. 
mm-hmm. properly, right? Yeah. So, um, so we came up with a list um, of Black women who had raised over a million dollars, and at the mm-hmm. time, I think it was um, thirteen or fourteen. It was, and it was this captured visually in the Vanity Fair story. Yeah. Right? So when we did the mm-hmm. twenty eighteen report, so it's a biannual report that we do right. now, and in twenty eighteen, it was. Um, it was featured in Vanity Fair, the women that had raised over a million dollars. And we worked with amazing. them to yeah. produce that story, which right. was incredible. Yes, um, it, it was, was such a beautiful picture. And it really started, what what I saw is that it really started the conversation, took it to another level. It did. And that, and, and really, at that point, we were, we were speaking to folks outside of tech. Exactly. So Vanity Fair was... Right which was a nice yes. thing for me to be involved in, right? Yes, so right. I miss Vanity you guys Fair. over there. Vanity. Um, so, 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 you know, we started to speak outside of um, the tech space when, when that feature came right. out. Um, but really the report started the discussion within the industry about the lack of funding for black women in right. the space. Okay. And, um, and so from that, we learned a few things in the report, which was that black women um, lacked access to capital Mm-hmm. They lacked training in some mm-hmm. instances, and they lacked the networks to really build and scale a company. So that led us to starting the incubator program. Okay, in Great. Atlanta. Okay, oh. so the incubator. I I think the last um, the last of the three things that you mentioned, lacking that network, is really key and is part of a a revelation, really. Because the network, you wouldn't necessarily look at everything we know about business and about Black and Latina people in business and then women of mm-hmm. any race in business and necessarily think that was the problem. I think you would think wrongly or rightly at the time without the data, uh, lack of capital, right? But yeah. the network. So tell us a bit more about the networks. Yeah. And how does that help success? How to, and I think, too, for us as women, there is something about us not leveraging our networks the way men do almost instinctively or they're bred to do. Right, right. Yeah, um, we don't have – so people invest in people, right? Mm. So if you've got a white not – in, in, Not in a business plan. No. As opposed to. <laughs> right. Which is what a lot yeah. of people think. Right. Let me get this great business plan. They invest in people. So whether the if the idea is bad, it's mm-hmm. OK, because I know that this person is going to kill it at some point. Right. Um, and so when you've got folks who are white guys with a lot of money, VC, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to invest in a guy that I know that I trust. He's like me. I believe in him. But if you've never met a black woman, like mm-hmm. what would you have in common? How would you relate to her? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean you want to do something with hair mm-hmm. products? Like, what, right. do you t- what is that about? Like, I don't know anything yeah. about hair. Right. Right. Black hair. Yeah. Um, and the other spin on that is if you have never, never met a black woman, but also, you know, what's true for many of a let's say a younger generation not necessarily younger than us i'd include our generation i'd include mine i'd include yours i i'd include um even a bit older and certainly beyond that say you know know if you're born say in the 30s or something like that you would say i've never met a black person right? right but i think what's also very true is i have met them 
right? Like now there's a lot of, since integration, let's yeah. say, there's a lot of interaction and meeting, which didn't happen before. But if I have never met someone or had a conversation about this topic with someone who's black or Latina, that's just as powerful as never having met them. Cause then I, you know, I'm not thinking of them in that role. Right. Not yeah. at all. A lot of times these women go into these spaces to talk to potential investors and they have to spend the first 30 minutes of the meeting explaining who they are. Right. How they got there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I actually can build this. Right. Yeah. Like Versus... I had this person in class. There was one black person or five black people in my class, but I'd never really related to them. Right. In that way. Yeah. So where are you from? You know, You're they ask these like, questions right. that have nothing to do with the business. Um, mm -hmm. And so that that's a hindrance. Um, and so we connect folks to mm -hmm. our founders. We have, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've created this really safe space for for the women. Uh, we do what's called a confident founders track, which is teaching these women how to be confident about what they're doing. Um, which is an important piece of it. You know, Absolutely. a guy Huge piece. will come in with a napkin and write <laughs> down his plan and expect, you know, hey, this is it, right? This Whereas women to, yeah. are like perfectionists and trying know. to figure it out and it's not ready. And, yes. You know, that sort of thing. And so we, we help them get through that. Mm -hmm. Can you um, can you talk a little bit more, a little more about that, darling? Because it's really yeah. important. So it's building the confidence and part of the, the lack of confidence shows up as us being perfectionists too when it right. comes to these business plans. Right. So what are some of the things, because I hear one of them in there is it doesn't have to be perfect. Is that one of the things yeah, to build a confidence? Yeah, because you, you, you'll get there, right? If you have what it takes as a founder, you've got hustle, you know, you've got all these qualities that will make you a successful founder and you have a group of um, folks who are supporting you in that and telling you the truth. A lot of times they'll go into these spaces and someone will say, great idea, but not invest anything in you, right? And they and don't we're know what happened. Right, they don't so know what happened. So we're telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. That's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. You should work on that. You yeah. know, we do yeah. that too. Um, and so it really just gives, so so when they know the numbers, when they know the business model, when they know the stuff and they know that they're getting correct and accurate information from us, then they can go in more confidently and, and sell. Mm -hmm. Great, yeah. great. It's um, it's really been a fantastic journey. I mean, you know, the program is nine months, which is a very long time. Wow. Um, and one, every week you meet every you week, know, twice frequently. a week. Yeah, twice a week. Um, and okay. we're actually now in Newark, New Jersey. We congratulations. Um, thank you. Right. Thank I, you. You told me you're expanding. Yeah, you're, we you've are. Been in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Been in Atlanta and are expanding um to five uh, five cities total by the end of 2020. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so, okay. and what are those other cities? Um, not really, but okay. you know, we're looking at quite a few. So okay. um, we're looking at places like LA, Chicago, mm -hmm. DC, okay. it's, you know, we're just, we're, we're exploring. Right. Um, right. But we are in Newark and the program is nine months. And one of the things you mentioned it earlier about, mm -hmm. you know, people think that you just need money, right? Mm -hmm. I just need some money and right. it'll be all good. Um, our program takes them through three different modules. The first is mm -hmm. customer discovery. Like who okay. is your customer? 
Do they want to pay for that thing that you have? How much do they want to pay for that? Is it really a thing, right? right. Because sometimes we have a passion, but that passion is not <laughs> what anyone not, else wants, yeah, you right? Can't really package it exactly. And sell it. So figuring that out, then we take them through product development where they're actually building whatever it is, and you don't have to have technology, right? Technology with air quotes, um, yes. a, a background to be a founder. Right, you can find a partner who can build your. Who has the technology part of it exactly, um, and so we take them through that right. for the next uh, three months, and then the last three months is when we look at company development. Now you can talk about marketing mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can talk about your, you know. Um, incorporation potentially you may mm-hmm. not have had it incorporated right. in the beginning it's just an idea yeah um and so that's when we get into the, the the company stuff part of it so you talked about you know if you don't have a technology person then you can you know you maybe if you're not a technology right. person you can find a technology person yeah so which brings me back to networks mm. what are the what are the the barriers to us tapping into networks that you observed? Yeah, so one of the things that happens um, is a lot of these technology-focused events, Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of people that look like us there. And so you Mm -hmm. feel intimidated. I see. Right? Um, You don't want to go alone, or it's incredibly expensive. A lot of them, I think... I can't remember. South by Southwest is definitely a few thousand dollars to attend. And so um, how do you get into spaces where the people that you may be able to connect with and bring on board your company as a Mm -hmm. CTO, um, how do you get into those spaces? So we figure out um, partnerships with um, different organizations to bring our founders in to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and there's a lot of local um, uh, tech tech focused events that, that they can attend, but the bigger, conferences that are more expensive and that just are difficult to get into and and, and maybe you're the only one mm-hmm. um we try to 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 bring them all together so we, we'll take a contingency of founders to mm-hmm. south by southwest and oh, we'll wonderful. go together okay and which we'll, brings down the cost or it the brings intimidation down the cost, well, factor both right okay. so the cost mm-hmm. of housing right right we we get a house there and mm-hmm. the founders stay in the house together right we invite them to events that our partners are hosting um we might do a panel and mm-hmm. each panelist gets a pass mm-hmm. so we'll put the founders on the panel you right. know that sort yes. of thing so to we figure out ways, ways to to get them into accessible those right 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 what would you advise someone looking to let's start with a person who really hasn't done anything has some thought about what they want to do in in the business space to be an entrepreneur. Um, How would you advise them to begin? Hmm. Well, you got to figure out what you want to (laughs) do. You have to figure that out. Um, You know, everyone's got something, right, Mm -hmm. that they're passionate about. I think most of us do. Right. Um, And so, you know, figure out what that thing is. Um, The other thing is what, you know, you you may be working in in a corporate job. Right. And you see this problem that's happening that, Mm -hmm. oh, if there was this thing, you know, that existed, Mm -hmm. this problem wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have this problem. I wouldn't wouldn't. have this problem. And so, you know, look at things within your industry that Mm -hmm. you could disrupt. 
Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll see, we'll meet and she's this woman, she'll be an attorney, you know, mm-hmm. and she'll say, yeah, I want to create a hair app. And we're like, well, isn't there something in the, you know, <laughs> legal, in the legal field that you could like <laughs> figure out? Um, so, so definitely look at um, pain points and problems within the industries that you're in to mm. see if there is something that you think will, um, will okay. change that space. Okay. Yeah. Next step would be what to research that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to do the research, um, meet folks within that space to find mm-hmm. out the real deal. Right. Versus, yeah. What's the real deal right, versus instead yeah, of thinking what it looks that, like to you. You know, a lot of folks think entrepreneurship is a luxury and that it's mm-hmm. easy and that you have all this freedom yeah. and you can do all this stuff, but it's really not that easy. So yeah, talk to someone who's, who's done it before, who's mm-hmm. been in that space. Um, to, to see what it's really like. Cause yes. it's, it's not appearances is not, you know, everything that you think, <laughs> right. right. And so, you know, and so why do it, you know, talk about some of the rewards of entrepreneurship of going from, you know, switching from corporate to being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously you do have flexibility, um, in your, in your schedule, you have the creative freedom to do, things that make you happy. Um, mm-hmm. I think about there was one founder in our program who was in a corporate job right. um, and who had this business on the side that she was doing. And she had been struggling with the business a little bit for the past few years, um, but went through our program and decided at the end that she was leaving her corporate job mm-hmm. and has gone on to raise a ton of money for this business, which is, um, she uses blockchain to connect um, folks in the music industry. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're um, creating music, it's like keeping track of all the people who touch. Um, oh wow! Which has been amazing um, mm-hmm. for her. And it's interesting. Why would you need to do that? Well, because a lot of um, folks in the industry don't get credit. Um, you know, that's what there's I was money thinking. involved. It's a way to get credit. Yeah, you for... get credit and you get paid for your work. And yes, so there's yes. a lot of lawsuits that happen mm-hmm. um, as a result of people not being credited. And so mm-hmm. it just keeps a, a, a digital track yeah anyone who touches the the song wow um but that can also be used in film and other things which she's learning mm-hmm. and pivoting mm-hmm. and growing and so um she's she's doing amazing but um yeah she, that's that's an no that you know I'm just mesmerized by that that's an amazingly valuable tool because we know historically to present day so many artists have been ripped off or not gotten their due um, because of lack of, um, well, of course, because someone wanted them not to because of greed, dishonesty, but lack of documentation, you know, being able to prove I did this is huge. I have firsthand experience of that. Mm. And so I know that's true. Not Mm. me personally, but someone close to me. (laughs) I'm not a songwriter. (laughs) You're not. So so that's really super. All right. So... She's done that and and she's now left the she's left corporate. corporate. Yeah, she's Mm -hmm. left corporate and she's doing this thing. And it's amazing to watch her um, to grow. Right. So she's been able to create a life for her and her Mm -hmm. family um, that I'm sure ultimately Mm -hmm. 
um, her company will just be mm-hmm. huge. And what's the name of the business? The, the Labs, L-A-B-Z. The oh, Labs. okay. Right. Yeah, her name is Farrah Allen. Wonderful, to, wonderful founder. Right, good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, the women, you told me about one of your entrepreneurs once who drove, I believe I met her if I'm not mistaken, but drove from Florida <laughs> to Georgia to come to incubator sessions yeah yeah so um yeah there's a lot of resolve and you know what was really great about that particular founder again it's about the person so when she started she had another idea that she had been working on completely Mm. different Mm -hmm. from the one that she landed Mm -hmm. on sure and at a point there was a point in which we had to have a come to jesus moment and say hey this is not (laughs) this this isn't it right and she said you know i've been working on this other thing um, and she's a substitute. She was a substitute teacher, but had been working on like a jeans, something with jeans or <laughs> something. And so um, her her idea that she had been working on was mm-hmm. a way to figure out how to um, connect teachers, substitute teachers to schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through her application, um, teachers can be found, you know, at the last minute they can be paid mm-hmm. um, and all that. And so, you know, for substitute teachers, it's a gig for them to get a job mm-hmm. on that day. It's a gig. They're part right. of the gig economy. Right. And they were it was taking 30 days or 60 days for them to be paid, right. which didn't work for them. Yes. And so she created this application to Amazing. change that. Um, and she was a substitute teacher, which is what she yes, should have come up with in the come. first place. And what's the name of her app? iSubs, S-U-B-Z. Isubs. Her name is Jasmine Edwards, um, mm-hmm. and she's incredible. She, we were actually featured in USA Today right. recently, and she was uh-huh. one of the founders that they um, shared her story yes. yeah, and highlighted. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So what do you find when these women come to you? What do you find is their number one issue? The number one issue might be um, training, like the structure that mm-hmm. they need to figure out. Um, how to actually scale a business, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the the training that's needed. And Mm -hmm. so just even that whole figuring out your customer and what it costs Mm -hmm. to retain a customer and, you know, doing customer discovery. So it's not just your 25 friends and family members that Mm -hmm. love your idea and are going to buy your stuff. Right. You have to go out and find... Um, people who you think are your customer, that right. age group, that income, all that, and actually interview them. And oh, a lot okay. of them find that to be really hard. Some people are introverts, mm-hmm. but you have to go meet strangers right. and figure it out. Like go hang yeah. out in the airport and talk, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever and it is. strangers may not be nice they about not the nice. criticism. <laughs> right. But it's like, you have to really do that. A lot of times you just start businesses just because it's what we like, but it's mm-hmm. not what people want. Right. Um, And so that I found is really hard for a lot of them in the beginning Mm -hmm. um, to face that like, oh, I have to actually do that. (laughs) And even if they're in a business already, when they come to you, they haven't done that. A lot of times they have not not actual customer discovery. Like they no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, for the most part, they haven't. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And that needs to be done. Do most of them have a full-time job? They do. Okay. So all the women, all of them really have full-time jobs. And so eventually of, they'll be in the same situation you were in. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they if have, all goes well. <laughs> they all have full-time jobs. And it's one of the things that is special about our program is that we um, set it up so that twice a week after work, mm -hmm. they can come in. Oh, right. Okay. Because yes. again, we can't quit our jobs. Mm-hmm for six months or nine months to right. build a company, we don't have that luxury. Right. You know, if we um, stop support, you know, many times women who are in our program are the breadwinners in the family uh, or are responsible for more than just, you know, you've got extras, an auntie or right. your parents or mm -hmm. your niece or nephew that you're helping to take care oh, of. Oh, an extended family. An extended family, right? For. And yes. you just, because we have those kinds of responsibilities in our community and the risk of failure is greater for us than it is for other communities. Mm -hmm. And so we give them the support okay. that they need to get through okay. that, right? So talk a little bit more about that, please, Darlene, the risk of failure being mm -hmm. greater for us. Why is that? Because we don't have, um, you know, you hear of friends and family rounds, yes. right? Starting a business. My dad can give me $25,000 to, um, <laughs> my dad can give me money to start this business. And uh, look at Trump, right? His mm -hmm. dad gave him whatever. Everything. To start. And then, you know, dad you blow through well, it. Well, no, not even, right, to be factually correct, he, <laughs> the dad gave him, not to start, his dad just gave, gave him. Gave it to him, the, right? Yeah. But you yeah. have folks who have parents who support them and just yeah. give them, you know, money to do whatever right. they need to do. And well, they go Zuckerberg, through that. They go through that. Saying, you know, they fail. Okay, yeah. well, here's another cushion. Yeah. We don't have that. You know, right. the women were taking out their 401ks to start businesses, right? Wow. You don't want to do yeah. that. I just, um, I just actually watching something on Jeff Bezos. Mm. and who, you know, obviously head of Amazon. And this I didn't know that his parents, because he was, he was a successful guy when he started Amazon, but I just found out um, just a couple of days ago that his parents gave him $100,000. They invested it in Amazon to help him. Not many Start of us it. have parents who can give us a hundred thousand dollars to mm -hmm. start something. Yeah. Maybe right? ten thousand. Right. Maybe one thousand. Maybe <laughs> maybe a hundred dollars. <laughs> maybe, but what they can do is watch the kids. Yes. Right? Oh, like that's the kind of support point. that yes. is important too. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're involved and they know what's going on and I've got to fly to Silicon Valley to talk to this mm -hmm. investor. My and watch the kids, feed the dog. Right. If, right. Yeah. Which is yeah. critical. Um, for Good us, point. but, but we definitely like the risk for failure is a lot greater. We just mm -hmm. don't have the discretionary and, you know, the family support, right. financial support. Right. Um, so it's, it can be devastating for us if we fail mm -hmm. tragically yes. in our business or if we blow through $1.4 million, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and it used to be that there was so much more entrepreneurship, of course, in the African-American yes. community. Yeah. Um, but it's declined, but now it's um, picking back. up again. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. Yeah. That's that's one of the things we talk Which about, is too, is that right. it, entrepreneurship was a thing for us. Um, and somehow it got this bad thing, you know, it became mm -hmm. this thing. It's yeah, like you Tommy from a... Martin, like, what kind of job? You like, do you really have a job? You know, yes. like, what do you do? Yes. Um, but uh, so, so, you know, it's different. You should be for doctor, us. lawyer, teacher. <laughs> right. Instead, right. Or, yeah. Right. The, you know, the great thing about being entrepreneurial is you do become the master of your own destiny 
more so than if you're working for someone, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, but working for someone, of course, has its own um, wonderful pluses, too. Of course it does. And I think when people give up one for the other, right? When people leave a career in corporate or working for someone else, maybe it is a small business, and strike out on their own to start their own businesses, what what do you find the what do you find internally the biggest issues are? Um, you know, that's that's not that easy to answer, mm-hmm. but I think people just have to know that it's okay. Um mm-hmm. there was a woman that we met who had um, graduated from Harvard, had a Harvard MBA, mm-hmm. was like brilliant, had this really amazing corporate job and wanted to go work for a startup. Right. And we were like, why? Why yeah. work for a startup? You can do it yourself. And she's like, oh, I never thought mm-hmm. about that. That mm-hmm. wasn't something that she considered, but it's like someone gave her permission yes. almost to do it. And you have to give yourself permission, you know, right. to, to step out and do that. Um, and entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's another thing that's great and different about our program is after three months, we'll say to you, hey, this is probably not for you. you." Oh, that's great. And then Mm -hmm. or they may say to us, this is not for me and Mm -hmm. go back to work and they would not have spent their 401k trying to start this business. That's not going to work. Right. Yes. So. um, So, you know, we see that as a good thing, as a positive. Yeah, that's Um, that's a really good point and interesting one. Perhaps we don't hear it enough because we are in the golden age of entrepreneurialism right now in the United States and to some extent in other countries, too, around the world. And what can get lost in that is that you don't have to do this. It's not necessarily for everybody. It's not. You're it's not really a chump not. if you're not <laughs> starting <laughs> right, your own business. Right. It's not for everyone. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's really okay. But for some people, you know, being a founder, they are ready for that. Um, right. And they can do that and they want to do that. Yes. Yeah. And what is for everybody to bring it full circle is being ready and accepting of career change. Yeah. Because knowing that that is going to come at some point, whether it's because you want to go into your own business for whatever reason, or whether it's that you're changing from one area of corporate to another, it might be a functional career change, or it might be a cross industry change. Right. But um, again, I think, you know, this book was written a while back a couple decades ago, but I think it's such a great book for the times, like who moved my cheese. And it's a quick and easy read. Yeah. And so you've now done two industries and would you see yourself going to a third, darling? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, um, you know, I'm still young. I still, I still enjoy learning and doing different things and who knows something might come up that's organic again. Um, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say that this is it. Like this is all I'll ever do. It's definitely rewarding and incredible and and we're doing such great work. I'm so proud of it and definitely I'm excited about our expansion um to multiple cities, but there's it's a whole big world out there. There's a lot of stuff one can do. Um and I'm looking forward to the next 
to the next phase. Wonderful. We thank you so much thank for you. sharing your journey thank with you us too. and all your tips and information. Thank you. Um, if you want to hear more from Darlene, you can find her at Digital Undivided um, online, of course, or at her agency. And it's really been great talking thank to you. you and sharing with women how to slay yeah. through the inevitable yes. changes. Yes. Remember to subscribe or download the program and you can do that at Google Podcast, at Apple Podcast and on Spotify. Nice. Thank you, Constance. You're welcome. This is fun. Thank you for being here. Yay. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Corran la voz porque la venta para amigos y familiares de JCPenney está de vuelta. Y esta semana tenemos un cupón de 30% extra para que prepares a tu familia y hogar esta Pascua. Estos son ahorros adicionales por encima de nuestros precios bajos. Además, comparte el cupón con quien tú quieras, porque siempre es mejor cuando ahorramos juntos. JCPenney, tallas y estilos para todos. Oferta válida del 11 al 17 de marzo. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. Este abril te invitamos a nuestra feria virtual Univisión Contigo rumbo a la universidad. Conéctate virtualmente con representantes de colegios y universidades en la costa este. Desde Nueva York a Florida, aprende sobre ayuda financiera, becas y otros recursos para continuar tu educación. Regístrate para asistir y para la oportunidad de ganar una tableta. Te esperamos en Univisión Contigo rumbo a la universidad del 3 al 9 de abril. Regístrate ya en univision.com diagonal universidad.